2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Ichium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through, Christ, through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. May God bless the reading of his word. All right. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We teach our kids this, and I think it's a good thing to teach them. I teach my kids that. Uh, but the problem might be for us in this modern world is that that's where we stop. That as they grow to become adults, we don't move beyond that. Just believe it because the Bible says so. Just believe it because the Bible says so. And in a world that doesn't treat the Bible with the kind of respect that it, perhaps they treated it with uh, when you and I grew up. This does our kids a disservice as they grow older. We have to be prepared to talk about the Bible in some new ways. Around half of the people my age and younger uh, identify as nuns. Not the kind that, you know, the Catholic priest people <laughs> and the nuns. Not the, not the Catholic nuns, but the, the ones where if they ask you on a survey to identify what religion you adhere to, uh, they pass Christianity and they pass uh, Islam and they pass all the different world religions. They pass other and go straight to none. Nothing. They don't believe anything. Faith-wise. It's something that we have to come to grips with that we are increasingly a post-Christian world. And that's very different from non-Christian a non-Christian world, you can go in and you start talking about the gospel and it's something brand new that they haven't heard before. Some people might be interested. In a post-Christian world, most people assume that they already know what Christianity has to offer and they've decided to reject it. It's a whole different kind of society. And post-Christian nuns have a low tolerance for faith-based answers to fact-based questions. I'm going to say that one more time. That's a quote. I'm not that smart. That's a quote from a guy named Andy Stanley. He said, Post-Christian nuns, those people who identify as no religion, have a low tolerance for faith-based answers to fact-based questions. When they ask a question and they want facts and you say, well, the Bible says so, that's a faith-based answer to a fact-based question. And it doesn't work for a lot of them. 
Uh, in fact, I saw on uh, recently a, a talk given by a girl. In fact, she's been going around doing a lot of these kinds of speeches and things. She uh, grew up in, I think it's called the Westboro Baptist Church. I, I don't know if you're familiar with that. They're the ones that protest at funerals of soldiers and all kinds of crazy things. And they're, uh, they're like high, in the news a lot for uh, anti-gay protests and all kinds of... They're, they're interesting folks. Uh, she grew up in this very like cultish, and she grew up in this church, this dysfunctional um, theology and everything. Uh, and I think, in fact, her grandfather or something like that was the pastor. And so she has left that church and left the Christian faith. And uh, boy, if that's your experience with it, you know, that, it's not hard to figure out why. But uh, she is going around doing talks. She did a TED talk not that long ago, if you're familiar with those, where she stood up and talked about why she left Christianity. And she took a passage of scripture in Romans 9 and said that essentially, essentially that, if I have fact-based questions, I'm not allowed to ask them. And I'll, if I do, I'm only going to get a faith-based answer and be told that I'm not allowed to ask such questions. And she said, when I read that it says that in the Bible, I gave up my faith. Now, her context informed what she read in Romans 9. And she, unfortunately, didn't seek some answers or read on to Romans 10. <laughs> so that's unfortunate for her, and I hope someone walks her through that at some point in her life. But obviously she had a lot of baggage that went into the way that she reads Scripture. But I give that as an example. Here's someone going around and telling people, you can't get fact-based answers from Christianity. They're just going to give you, the Bible says so. And so more and more are leaving not only their faith, but they are also changing what they believe about uh, the Bible. The, a group called Barna does a lot of research about faith and religion and what people are believing. And they say that uh, with each passing year, the percentage of Americans who believe that the Bible is just another book written by men increases. And so too does the perception that the Bible is actually harmful and that people who live by its principles are religious extremists. That's from the president of Barnum. And this is what we're dealing with in our world. And, and so we, we've been doing this thing, Ask Anything. Because we want to be a place where people can come and ask their questions and get answers and get dialogue and get discussion about it and get research and get resources that they can go and dig in. We don't want to be a place that just says, oh, the Bible says so, so just believe it. Because there's a post-Christian world increasingly that we're living in. Now, this may not affect many of you directly. You may not have that many questions about your faith. And so maybe us bringing it up is just uncomfortable for you and you'd rather not. And, and so this is when we do these kinds of things and, and the talk today is really not for you expressly. You're doing fine. <laughs> Don't worry about a thing. But for our young people who, like Brett said, are heading into high school or maybe they're already there or they're heading into college or maybe they're already there. You never know what class they're going to take next, what kind of questions are going to be raised. And, and we want to be a place where our young adults and anyone who runs into tough questions can come 
and have real conversations about it. What would you say to someone who didn't believe and you were trying to share why you believed and, and they don't believe that the Bible is authoritative in any way? They don't believe that it holds any, you know, is not respectable to them in any way. It's just, a, just another book like any other book. What would you say to convince them of why you believe it's more than that? So it's worth talking about these kinds of things. And today we're going to talk about the Bible. And I want to share with you a little bit from that passage we just read. And I also want to hopefully have some time to answer some of the questions that you submitted. Uh, or at least give partial answers in the short time that we have. To some of the questions you submitted about the Bible. And then we're going to have another session afterwards that anyone who wants to stick around for is invited to. Uh, no matter what circle you, maybe you already went to your circle, that's fine. Come on and uh, you, can, you can hear us answer some more questions. And if you've got questions from what we talk about today or whatever, we can hear those too. Um, that'll mostly be on creation because we haven't gotten to those questions yet. But right now uh, is kind of on the topic of the Bible. And it really sets us up for next week. Because next week we launch into a brand new series called Long Story Short. And it takes the, the long story of the Bible and boils it down into about 13 weeks that we'll try and cover and hit all the high points of the narrative that is known as the Bible. And there's a lot of content in there and we're just going to touch on kind of like I say the high points. And, and, and see how it all fits together and how it all points to one thing. And so I'm excited about that starting tomorrow. But let's just start today by talking about the Bible and why it is that it matters and why it is that we care about it and why it is that we think it's so important and authoritative in our lives. And, and let's address it with those folks in mind. Keeping in mind that just because just because we say so, or just because the Bible says so, isn't perhaps a good enough answer anymore. We read in 2 Timothy today, was where our passage was from. And this was a letter written from an apostle of Jesus, the apostle Paul, to someone he was, kind of his apprentice in ministry, if you will, named Timothy. And... And just the, the nature of this should tell us something about the nature of the Bible. This is Second Timothy, is what we call it now. And we consider it kind of like another chapter in a really long book, right? An, another section of the book we call the Bible. But it was a letter written from one man to another man, from an older man to a younger man. A letter. Like if I wrote, you know, Aaron a letter this week and sent it to him in the mail. That kind of a letter. That's what it was. And the Bible is full of all kinds of things like that. Letters, but other kinds of literature as well. Sometimes we just boil it down and flatten it out to be just a book. A book. Like any other book that we would read nowadays when it's actually like a library, a collection of ancient documents that it took a really long time to put together by a whole bunch of different people. This makes the Bible really unique. I mean, the Koran, 
are the words of the Prophet Muhammad. The Book of Mormon is revelation passed on to John Smith, right? In New York when he was there. And they, he had a vision or whatever. And Muhammad said he had a vision. And so many of these religious texts are, are things that, you know, they're unquestionable. They're single person written. They are uh, sacred texts in that sense. Ours is completely different in that it started being written down a really long time ago, at least 3,000 years ago. And the stories are older than that by far. Before people started writing a lot of stuff down. What we hold includes things like creation stories, right? That we'll talk about later. But also all the way up to the first century when the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to a guy he knows named Timothy. And he talks about scripture to Timothy. He says, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know that those from whom you you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Timothy would have been a second generation Christian. As in second generation ever. <laughs> like, like his, you know, whoever got saved in his family first, they were like the first people ever to be saved. And he was apparently born into it. This is remarkable to think about. And so he was raised on the Holy Scriptures. What were their Holy Scriptures? See, we tend to read that and we just think the Bible, right? But there was no Bible as you know it. Which is interesting. You mean there was a Christianity and not a Bible? <laughs> right. Christianity is not founded on the Bible. Christianity is founded on the gospel of Jesus. His life, death, and resurrection. Whether that's in print, or whether that's told in word. It's, a, it's based on those historical events. And so yes, Christianity predates the Bible as you know it. But clearly they had scriptures. That they deemed as holy, sacred, important, authoritative, useful for every good thing that you would need to use it for. So what are they talking about? Clearly they're not talking about 2 Timothy. <laughs> right? Because Paul's writing 2 Timothy. First off, they're talking about the Old Testament. Almost any time you read the word scripture in the Bible, it's talking about the Old Testament because that was the original scriptures. Uh, that was the Jewish text. And, and Christianity was born out of that it was born out of Judaism. Jesus was a Jew. So they're talking about that for sure. But it's interesting that even by this stage, there are other things that are beginning to be seen as Scripture. Right alongside the Old Testament. 
This is Paul writing to Timothy at an earlier point. Okay, we just read from 2 Timothy. This is from 1 Timothy. Because it's, it's the first letter we've got. And it says, For Scripture says, Do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Now, I'm not going to break that down theologically for you today. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that those are two quotes that Paul says come from Scripture. One's found in the Old Testament. The second one, though, is found in Luke's Gospel. Chapter 10, verse 7. So even by this point, they see the Gospel as part of Scripture. So part of the New Testament is already being seen as Scripture. In, in a letter by the, from the Apostle Peter, we read that he's talking about Paul and... You know, he writes in the same way in all his letters, speaking in these matters, and he says his letters contain some things that are hard to understand. So if you've ever read a letter of Paul, and you said, whoo, this was hard to understand, you're in good company. The Apostle Peter thought it was hard to understand too. <laughs> all right. So he writes some things that are hard to, stand, to understand, and which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Now, so again, I'm not breaking this down for you theologically. I'm pointing out kind of historically that at this early stage, the apostles already recognized letters from apostles as part of scripture. He says the other scriptures, as in putting Paul's writings right alongside other scriptures. Let's talk for a second about why we believe the Bible is so important. I'll tell you why I believe and hold the Bible to be sacred, invaluable, authoritative in my life. And I bet that it's more or less the reason that you do. It's just that we don't tend to articulate it this way or think about it this way. But here's the deal. I'm not Jewish. I wasn't born Jewish. I have no need for Jewish scriptures. And I identify with people in the New Testament day who were not Jewish either. They were Gentiles, they often are called, or Greeks, or Romans. And yet they accepted the gospel. And then they began to talk about scriptures. Scriptures that they had had no use for before in their life. Why was it suddenly so valuable to them now? Well, here's the deal. For me, everything hinges, like I said earlier, on the gospel. And I believe that Jesus actually lived, died, and rose from the dead. I think that actually took place. And for that reason, the gospels are invaluable to me. Because they're the best resources we have on what Jesus did, what he taught, and on those events of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. They aren't just in the Bible. These are, again, ancient documents written very early after the events took place, recording eyewitness accounts, to pass down from generation to generation what had been seen and heard and touched by real people. 
that gospel message spread throughout the Roman Empire quickly at a time when anyone could go and talk to the people who were alive and present for those events. And so, the Gospels, let's just start there. Invaluable to someone who believes that Jesus is the Son of God who lived, died, and rose from the dead. Alright? Because I believe in Jesus, I care a lot about what His Apostles say. The guys who saw and touched and lived and who He set apart for His work to launch the church. To get things going, to go out and do the mission, start the mission. And so, anything that they say, man, I want to read it. Because those guys were handpicked by Jesus to share that stuff. So anything I can get from Peter, or John, or Paul, or any of these guys, that's invaluable to me. It teaches me more about what Jesus, you know, what his vision was for my life and for the life of the church. All right, but what about the Old Testament? Hmm. A lot of crazy stuff in the Old Testament, right? You ever done that whole, uh, like, I'm going to read through the Bible this year, and you start in Genesis. And you get going, you're like, yep, creation story. Got it. And then you're like, ooh, that's a little crazy. <laughs> and you keep reading a little, he did what? <laughs> that's in the Bible? You know, there's some, there's some crazy stuff in there. And so people, they, they read that. And they're like, man, if I have to believe that to sign up for Jesus, I don't know if I can. Right? Why do we believe the Old Testament? Well, why did, why did Greeks and Gentiles and Romans in the first century suddenly start studying it? And believing that it was invaluable for their life? Well, part of it was that all of those Old Testament Jewish scriptures, Hebrew scriptures, they all, we believe, were pointing to our Savior, to Jesus. Jesus read it that way. His apostles read it that way. And so it's fascinating for us, on one level, to go back and read through, knowing what we know now and what they didn't know then, and see, oh, that points to Jesus. Oh, that points to Jesus. Not just prophecies, but things that happened in the Old Testament that were foreshadowing what would happen when Jesus showed up. It's, so it's fascinating from that level. But not only that, I value the Old Testament because Jesus did. He taught from it all the time. He talked about it all the time. He seemed to know it like the back of his hand and to think that it was really important. He said that he came to fulfill the law. He came as fulfillment of the prophecies that are found in the Old Testament. He talked about creation, the creation account in Genesis. He would expound on the law of Moses. He even referenced the uh, story of Jonah and the whale. He met in the synagogue every week and they would ask him to share something and he would unroll a scroll in which scripture was, writ was written, and he would read it, and then talk about it. Each week. Which, if Jesus found it important, to go to church each week. <laughs> Maybe we should too. That's just an extra bonus for you. 
On one occasion, as he sat in the synagogue, he opened up and he read from the prophet Isaiah. And then he closed it and he said, On this day, this is fulfilled. From the cross, as he hung on the cross, he cited Psalm 22. All across the Old Testament, Jesus used it on a regular basis. Every bit of it for teaching. Uh, let's put that back up there. Here we go. For teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And if Jesus used it that way, and Paul told Timothy to use it that way, then we say, hey, we should use it that way. That's why I value the Bible. When someone comes and they want to poke a hole in something, you know, or, or call something into question, or say, you know, hey, you know, how can you believe this over here? You know, I heard this. Uh, well, even if it, like, let's say someone comes and says, you know what, Second Timothy, that was just a bunch of foolishness, all lies. And somehow they convince you that it's a, just a false document, all right? You don't walk away from your faith in Jesus over Second Timothy. Second Timothy is not the Bible, and for, for one. And Second Timothy is not the gospel that your faith is based on. And I see this happen all the time, where people, you know, that, oh, I found out that this was inconsistent with this, and so I left the faith, because I said the Bible's not reliable. Well, the Bible's not a book, it's a whole bunch of books, written over thousands of years by a bunch of different authors, and some of them say things different, and some of them lived in different cultures and things, and, it, you know, do your research before you give up on it, but still... Even if it does call something into question for you over here, does it call into question Jesus? His life, death, and resurrection? That's what our faith is founded on before there ever was a Bible. The Bible as we know it came together about the 4th century. Think about that. Now they had scriptures that they found, in, you know, that, as we've already talked about. But the Bible as we know it was finally assembled in full in the 4th century. Christianity did some of its best and most amazing, miraculous growing before the 4th century. Just think about it. <laughs> now, like I say, the Bible is invaluable. I think it's nothing short of a miracle that you can have that many different authors over that long of a time period and it be that consistent and all centered around one person it's it's amazing and that's why it's called God breathed because only God could pull that together because only God could somehow span the centuries of all these different guys writing stuff down and somehow at the end of that it all makes sense and points to Jesus. And so it's God breathed and it's useful in all these ways.
want to talk to you about some questions that you brought up and we're going to see if I can just hit on some. They're going to be super short uh, answers. And so if any of this strikes a nerve with you, I'd love to talk with you anytime. Just drop by or, uh, you know, we can set up a time to visit. But along these same lines we've been talking about, some of the Old Testament scriptures contradict the New Testament. Now, this person that submitted the question didn't give me an example. Uh, so, I, I'm not sure. Um, I would say be careful of what you assume is a contradiction because some of those things aren't actually as contradictory as you might think. Some people, for instance, think that uh, you know the God in the Old Testament is a, is uh, you know really a jerk, and the God in the New Testament is really loving, and so it's contradicting. Um, but really, when you look at both of them, uh, there's some passages in the New Testament that seem harsher than a lot of Old Testament passages, and uh, and a lot of Old Testament passages that seem like really God, how loving are you going to be before you lay some smack down on these people? So. <laughs> There, you know, if you if you read it for what it is, you might be surprised at what you find in there. Again, don't flatten this into one book, like every other book that you pick up at the bookstore. It's so much more significant than that. And so, consider the cultural differences. Consider the the idea of like theologians call this progressive revelation. That that as time goes by, we understand more about God. And so you'll read really early, the earliest texts will talk about God one way, where a later text will talk about the same event a, a different way because they understand God a little more fully by that time. God keeps increasingly making himself known to us. I mean, Abraham didn't understand as much about God as Moses did. And Moses sure didn't understand as much about God as we do, having read about Jesus who is the best revelation of God to ever hit planet Earth. And so, that's what we mean by progressive revelation. So that may account for some of what you're dealing with as well. Another question we got was that uh, Genesis has some hard-to-believe stories. Adam, Noah, and so on. And again, this is kind of more like a statement than a question, but I'm guessing that kind of what they're asking is... Well, what do you tell someone who just has a hard time believing those stories? And I would say, just super simple answer. First off, there's a lot of really brilliant people that don't have a problem believing them. Uh, so, <laughs> it may be hard to believe for some. It may not be hard to believe for others. And that said, I think that we make a mistake whenever we take something like that and demand that it be accepted as literal, concrete story in order to follow Jesus. Because to me, there's only one thing that we must demand if you want to follow Jesus, and that's that you believe in Jesus and His life and death and resurrection. And to put up other hoops that people have to jump through is something that they wrestled with a lot in the New Testament and kept saying, nope, we're not going to do that. Nope, we're not going to do that. So I... I would hesitate to say, oh, you don't, you don't think Noah's a literal story? Then get out of this church. <laughs> right? Or uh, you're bound for hell because, uh, because you think Adam was you know, symbolic. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't think that's a hill we want to die on. We want people to come to know Jesus. And this is also a mistake that we make in our culture where if it's not concrete, literal, 
then it can't be truth. And that's something that's very peculiar to our culture. And most cultures in the past think that one of the best ways to communicate truth is in stories, in symbolism, in metaphors. Jesus himself taught in parables constantly. Why? Because it was a lesser form of truth? No. So anyhow, all that to say, there's a lot of brilliant people who believe those stories. So it's not hard for everyone to believe. But if it's hard for you to believe, don't walk away from Jesus because of it. We're good with that? Uh, many don't think that God... Oh, I don't even know if I have time for this one. Come talk to me later <laughs> if you want to talk about this one. This is a, it has an answer to it. But a lot of people have struggle with the violence in the Old Testament. We've talked about that a lot here during the series we did on Judges and that kind of thing. Um, so definitely come talk to me about that one, but I'm running out of time and I want to hit this last um, this last one here. Why were sightings of angels and other miraculous events, events so much more prominent in the Bible and yet we don't see things like that as often this in this day and age? And I think this is one of those things that hangs people up about the Bible. Like, can I really believe that the Bible happened? Because I don't see that kind of stuff happening now when I see Christians. And so, you know, is that, did that really happen then? First off, this is a pretty, this is a location-based, uh, location-biased question. Uh, because you and I, we don't see a lot of this. But if you listen to anyone that travels overseas, missionaries overseas, they can hand you lists of stories of things that have taken place and that are taking place even now in all kinds of corners of the world. So maybe the better question would be, these things are so prominent in the Bible, why don't we see them here in America like they see them all across the country? <laughs> I mean, all across the world. My best answer for that is, uh, and it dawned on me when I was reading about Jesus and his healing ministry, and he came to Nazareth, his hometown, and he didn't perform many miracles there. Why? And they said, Oh, isn't he the carpenter's guy? Isn't he the carpenter's son? <laughs> like, don't we know that guy? They'd already made up their minds about who Jesus was. And this gets back to what I said at the beginning. We're increasingly living in a post-Christian world. And that's different than a non-Christian world. And a lot of people in America have already made up their minds about Jesus one way or another. Now the day may come when China and India and Africa are sending missionaries to us. I expect it will. And when they come and the gospel feels fresh again in this land, I suspect that signs and wonders will accompany it. That's kind of my theory. Because everywhere that the gospel goes, where it's never been heard before, everywhere on the front lines, just as when Jesus first shared it, and just as when his apostles first shared it, amazing things seem to happen. But whenever you go somewhere where people have already made up their minds, 
not the same. Next week, we launch the series, Long Story Short. Because we believe that the Bible tells the most important story ever written. And Jesus is the subject. And your life, and in fact, the whole world, all of creation, hangs in its balance. That's what we believe. So I'm excited to walk through it with you in the weeks to come. For you today, I hope that you'll wrestle a little bit with how would you explain to someone who is skeptical about the Bible and about Christianity why you think it's so important without just saying, well, the Bible says so. Because your kids and your grandkids, they may have these questions someday. If you don't, people you run into at work may have these questions someday if you don't. So wrestle with it. And at the same time, let's recommit ourselves to studying it and using it the way it's supposed to be used. We value scripture here, and that's why every Sunday we have scripture readings. That's why every week in our circles, we read Bible stories and, and study those together. That's why we encourage you to read the Bible at home and get the YouVersion Bible app and use these things. And we do plans together where we read Scripture together and all these things because we believe it's invaluable for the Christian life, for the follower of Jesus. So commit yourself. If you've fallen off that wagon, commit yourself to studying God's Word more than read it because it's more than mere words let's pray together Father thank you for your word it contains we believe and we have found the words of life sometimes we neglect it or misuse it or disrespect it even by the way we, we live our lives, God. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would teach us to truly read, to understand, and most of all that you would teach us to live out the truths that we find there. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.